try and be as organized as you can be because that's just going to make it as easy and as painless as possible. Hey guys, welcome back to the Currently Bossing Podcast powered by The Boss Up Inc. On this podcast, we discuss all things relating to career, social media, influencer marketing, and what it really takes for you to create your mark in today's digital landscape. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, founder and CEO of The Boss Up Inc. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Currently Bossing Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, founder and CEO of The Boss Up, Inc. Today, we're chatting with financial planner Jillian Stoddart. Jillian graduated from Manhattanville College, where she studied sociology and economics. Before starting her financial planning practice in New York, Jillian interned with a wealth management advisor during college, experienced the fashion industry in the Netherlands after graduating, and built an online business with the goal to make shopping sustainably easier. Jillian feels that she's found home in financial planning and is passionate about helping her clients plan for their future and achieve their goals. When she's not meeting with clients, Jillian enjoys spending time with family, friends, traveling, playing tennis, cooking, and knitting. So Jillian, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you. Um, And I know that you've helped me a lot with my financial planning. And so I know that you're going to share so much with our listeners. I'm very excited to, to share. It's been a pleasure working with you. Yes. So before we get started, I always love to um, like let us set the scene a little bit. So tell our listeners a little bit about your career story. Sure. So it's been a bit of a colorful story. <laughs> I In college, I studied sociology and economics. And for three of those four years, I actually had an internship with a wealth management advisor at a bank. Um, so this isn't out of nowhere for me. However, in college, I met my still boyfriend, who's Dutch, and I moved to Amsterdam right after college. And the finance system is a little bit different over there, so I didn't go into that. Um, I went into the fashion industry on the analytical side of it, uh, which was very exciting and glamorous and all that, also very dramatic. And from there, I had the idea to start my own company, um, which ended up being an online shop for sustainable lifestyle products. And that was my baby. I did it for two years. It's such hard work. I get it. <laughs> for me, I didn't find the right partner. And the next steps would have been to raise money, you know, really get to that next level. And I just didn't want to do that alone. So I put it to the side for now. I hope to be able to pick back up in the future when I do find the right person and it's the right time and all that. Everything is timing. But I've been through those beginning stages and, and they're really tough. So I get it. While I was figuring out like what my next direction was, I did a brief stint in sales in an interior design showroom. So it was also really like beautiful and nice. And I got to explore working with customers every day, which is part of what I absolutely loved about it. And at a fortuitous time, um, I was recruited into this role and it just worked out. The timing was right. The culture is right. I love the people that I work with. I love what I'm doing. I love the clients that I'm able to work with. And the stars kind of just aligned. So right now I'm happy. I feel like I've come home to what I'm doing. It's a little bit full circle back to what I was doing in college. So it makes a lot of sense. And I have that basis. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to growing my practice more and more. 
Yeah, I love that. I feel like um, people always think that the journey is kind of like a straight path, but there are so many different <laughs> before you get there. Mm-hmm. So I love that you shared that. Um, so talk to us a little bit about your day to day. Like, I'm pretty sure every day is not the same, but what does it typically look like when you have to consult clients? Yeah, so most of the day I'm on Zoom with my clients, which I love being able to see their faces. You know, it doesn't replace like in-person meetings. I hope to be able to meet all of them someday. That's like the goal. But it's it's a lot of Zoom and really everyone's different. Like it's just talking with people and learning about what's important to them. And obviously finance is a big part of that because that's what I do and that's how I want to help people. But it plays into every single aspect of their life. So I love knowing where they live and always ask, you know, what do you want to accomplish or achieve in three years, five years, 10 years? And have you thought about retirement? Are you a beach house person? Are you a small cabin person? You know, all of that. So day to day, you know, between about nine and five, I'm mostly on Zoom in front of clients. And if I'm not in front of clients, then I'm generally following up on clients that are in the process of doing something with me or I'm reaching out to people who have been referred to me to see if they want to have a conversation. Yeah. And aside from that, I'm either studying or having some downtime and I really like knitting. So (laughs) that's usually what I'm doing in the evenings. Yeah. Well, you're going to teach, you're going to have to teach me how to knit. I feel like I used to like a while ago and then I just stopped. So I'll touch base with you on that. Yeah. (laughs) Like it is. Um, But as far as it goes with your actual sessions, your financial planning sessions, I guess, what does it typically look like? What are are some things that you and your clients usually tackle in that time together? Yeah, so in the first meeting, it's, it's really an introduction to get to know one another. You know, finance is such a personal thing that you have to get along with one another. Your values have to be in line. You have to trust that person. So that first meeting, usually for me, it's about an hour and it's really to get to know one another so that they can understand me. They can understand that I come from a non-judgmental point of view and I just want to help them get to a place where they're financially healthy and where they want to be. And for me, it's to get to know them and what they want to do, like like what I mentioned earlier and um, asking them what their goals are. What do they want to achieve? If I can help them get to those goals, then they can create even more ambitious goals, you know? So honestly, it's just a conversation about that and, and a bit of a deep dive into those goals. So for example, if you have a goal to buy a house in five years, where do you want to buy that house? Like, have you dreamt about that? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know where it is? How much do you want to save for it? Do you want to take out a mortgage? Do you want to pay for it in cash? You know, all that kind of all those kinds of questions. And that example can apply to anything. You know, do you want to go back to school and get your MBA? Are you going to take out loans for that? What are you going to do with it after? Do you want to partially pay for it? Should we set up a savings plan for that? You know, all, all of that. Everyone's different and they have different values. So it's really just learning about them and what they want. What we do after that is is take that information and come up with a comprehensive financial plan. So we try and put it all into context for you and just say, okay, these are your objectives. This is how we think you should get there. And it's up to you whether or not you want to do that. Of course, it's just a suggestion. But sometimes there are things that maybe you've heard of and you want to learn more about and and we can help educate you on that. There are other things that maybe you've never even heard of and they're exactly what you need. So we just look for those gaps and see where we can fill them. 
Yeah, I know personally what I love working, what I love about working with you is that you help with the personal side of finances, but also making me think differently about my business finances. And so why do you think that it's so important for small business owners and entrepreneurs to work with financial planning experts like you, especially when they're thinking about bigger term things like scaling? Primarily because they probably don't have time to do it themselves. <laughs> and it's a lot, you know, these are complicated things. And unless you have the time to really dive in and figure out what's the most tax efficient way for your company to be structured or for you to pay yourself, it takes time to thoroughly research that stuff. So, you know, why not outsource it to someone who has experience and has seen a lot of different scenarios? That's the main reason. But other than that, you know, it, even if you know about it, it, it's good to get a second opinion or a gut check. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I feel like I was, as I've been talking to a lot of creators and entrepreneurs, there's like a lot of fear surrounding financial planning. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really helpful to talk to people like you to kind of help to break those barriers and just to further educate them for sure. So I guess what are some things that you feel like entrepreneurs and small business owners can do? to stay on top of their finances. Personally, I know I work with some clients, they have a lot of new and innovative ideas, they want to scale so quickly. But I think that it is important to go back and put some of those tactical strategic things in place before you can do that. So what do you recommend? The first thing is having a really good foundation. And the foundation of all foundations is an emergency fund. Mm. So if you have a personal emergency fund, Unless you want to rely on your personal emergency fund for your business emergency fund, you should have a business emergency fund too. I mean, look at what we've seen in COVID. So many places have have had to close down because they couldn't survive for three months before there was any kind of stimulus. Um, God forbid it wasn't related to something where there is stimulus. You need to be able to, you know, get by with low sales or low productivity, whatever it may be for a few months, because that can happen. Yeah, Um, same thing where you would have a a personal one. So even just having something really basic like that in place, where that's something you have to do yourself, you have to do it, you know, regularly, either put just a lump sum aside or contribute to it as as revenue comes in, whatever works for you, everyone's super different, right? But something as basic as that is a really, really good starting point. Yeah, and this is definitely not on my list of questions. But I I feel like this conversation kind of just sparked this. Um, So I've been talking a lot with other people too about whether they should get a credit line for their business or how do you know that it's too early to do that? What are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like, you know, as a growing business, um, is is it feasible to keep up with the credit line when you're not even really sure what your income will be month over month? That was going to be my first question. What's the purpose of it and how well can you manage it? And also, what are your own values around debt? Mm. And for me, I come from a very conservative debt background. (laughs) I don't, I personally don't like debt. I don't like having it. And knowing that for me, it's not something that would be appropriate. If you're comfortable with debt and you are able to responsibly manage it and it doesn't get out of hand, then absolutely, if you know you're going to be able to pay it back, then it may be very appropriate for you so that you can grow and scale. But if you're not able to pay it back down the road, that leads to interest, which leads to more debt, which is not a responsible thing to do. 
So it, it really totally depends on the situation, what you want out of it and what you think your projections are too, which I know are hard to, to know because they're projections, but can be based on something. No, that definitely makes sense. And I feel like we kind of live in a society where people, a lot of people put debt on the back burner. Um, why do you feel like yeah. there's this fear surrounding tackling debt? Especially with, I guess, especially with millennials and maybe the older generation too, um, when it comes to paying off massive student loans, but then you want to start a business, mm-hmm. there's so many things that you have to think about. Yeah. Well, I think overall, debt has a really bad name. Like debt in and of itself, the word is negative. Scary. So people are always going to be like, oh my God, I have debt. <laughs> and then it's this huge, big thing. And as, as soon as something is big like that, it's hard to tackle. Because why tackle something big when you have all these other small things that you can worry about? I mean, mentally, that's how it goes. What's important to realize is that there are different types of debt, and the different types of debt have different um, consequences. Credit card debt is the worst kind of debt that you can have. Um, And I don't say that in a judgmental way. I say it in a it's bad for your credit score, which can affect your ability to take out other loans, such as a mortgage kind of way. Student loans, on the other hand, are debt, but it's viewed as good productive debt because it will lead you to theoretically a higher income. This is how our society is structured, right? So there's like a lot of baggage there societally, (laughs) but that's, that's how it's viewed. Um, mortgages are also viewed as good debt. So if you have student loans, if you have mortgages, I'm not saying um, don't pay them off. Absolutely make those monthly payments and not just the minimum because you may barely be hitting the interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, make those healthy monthly payments. But it's not something where you have to wait to do anything before they're all paid off. Right. No, that definitely makes sense. And I, I definitely appreciate that breakdown that's something that I personally have to tackle and so I definitely want to make sure that our our audience is taking in this knowledge and kind of like thinking about their game plan on how they can tackle it in this year and beyond it's a juggling game yeah I know right it is and I feel like sometimes you dig yourself in a deeper hole especially with this time of COVID but really hoping that everyone is able to position themselves to kind of slowly dig out of debt and be in a good place Mm -hmm. So I know that um, going back to what we were talking about earlier, talking about entrepreneurs and small business owners and just like overall financial planning and money management. I know that a lot of the times they tend to get ahead of themselves, maybe scale too quickly, um, maybe want to innovate without truly looking at the numbers. So what insight can you share for business owners who want to make sure that they are really in a place to invest in those areas? beforehand. So say for instance, if you're adding new people to the team, at what point would you advise like it's okay to do that financially? I think it's a bit more of a complicated question. I, I want to give you like a, a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> but I think on a deeper level, it more depends on where the money is coming from. Is it coming from future revenues? Is it coming from money that you're going to raise and therefore you know that you'll have it for an X amount of time? Because depending on where the money is coming from, you can make different commitments, right? If it's future revenue and you see that projected and growing and you have some kind of historical data, even if it's, you know, a few weeks or a few months, whatever it is, but 
some data showing that there's some kind of growth, then you can justify, you know, adding a team member and everything because you see that growth there. You can calculate in one month, two months, in a year, how much it will be and how you can afford them. Versus if you're raising money, you're going to probably have a lump sum of money. And then in a certain period of time, you're going to have to raise more money if you're revenue isn't at the level that it needs to be. So you you just have to deal with it based on where the money's coming from. Does that answer your question? A little convoluted. (laughs) It definitely makes sense. And as I'm thinking about myself and the boss up, I know that a lot of my decision making comes from whether I can project that revenue based off of the clients that we sign on or just the business that we have all together. And so I'll kind of think about that before I add a new team member or maybe be innovative in some way. So just wanted to ask because I know that sometimes as entrepreneurs, you can have that mindset of, okay, well, I'm finally at a point where I'm breaking even or a little bit above breaking even. So let me just do all this stuff instead of saying like, can I really do that? Can I afford that? And there's something to be like the, the other component to it is the cost of not having that help, mm. which is harder to calculate, yeah. you know, how much how much time would you get back from hiring someone? And then is that cost worth the investment? And that can very well be like, that's probably the biggest question that entrepreneurs have to ask themselves because at some point they can't do everything, you know? Thousand percent. I feel like I've been able to save so much time. Um, And so I feel good about those decisions for sure. So definitely a good point. When it comes to just like overall tools, right? Like financial planning tools or just tools to overall budget. Are there some that you would recommend for tracking business expenses, income, and just all that good stuff? There are a lot of things. And again, there's no easy answer because it depends on what works best for you. There are all different kinds of apps. There are budgeting apps. There are tracker apps. Everything under the sun in an app form. (laughs) And then there's good old Excel. Like if you're an Excel sheet kind of girl, you know, you can easily just make a really basic thing to track that for yourself. And then there's, you know, talking with an expert who can track it for you. Like that's that's the other way to do it. But finding the right way for you, you know, some people really like using an app that will track what kind of spending so that they can think about, okay, maybe I shouldn't go out to dinner as much this month and vice versa. Other people use apps to separate their business and personal finances, which is another conversation that's also right for some people and not for other people. It's really just finding what's right for you, but there are a ton of tools out there. There are. I know personally, I started using um, Digit a month or two ago and I, I really like it. I feel like it's good for me not to see where it's going. And then I like when they send me the little notifications, like you saved X amount this week. And I'm like, yay, I did it. Yeah. I didn't even though I was doing yeah. it. <laughs> Out of sight, out of mind is the best way to save. (laughs) It definitely is. And it's a good habit to have um, so that you aren't constantly going into that money every so often just because you can. Yeah. For a lot of people, it's helpful to have that separate account, whether it's an app, whether it's a separate savings account with someone, you know, whatever it is. But if there are automatic payments going from it, whether they're small or big, it doesn't matter, but just something automatically funneling. That's often the best way to save out of sight, out of mind. Just don't I, think about it. I agree. And I think that I've learned the importance um, over the past few months of separating your personal and business accounts for sure. Um, especially you guys, tax season coming up and it's going to be so yeah. important to be able to have that. 
So, I mean, with all of that coming up, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs on winning in finances this year? Yeah. So if you're someone who can separate your business from personal finances, definitely recommend. But again, it depends how your business is set up because different businesses have different tax implications. And I'm not a tax professional. I'm not going to pretend to be like, get an accountant. (laughs) That's very helpful. I have my own accountant. You have an accountant. Everyone should have an accountant. (laughs) It gets complicated. But yeah, no, like get an accountant, utilize them and just try and be as organized as you can be, because that's just going to make it as easy and as painless as possible. Yeah, I feel like make it easy, painless, and also kind of just shift your overall mindset in in regards to finances. I feel like the more organized I get in that area with me being in like year one of business, the better I feel about talking to my accountant or talking about financial planning because I feel confident now. Yeah, that's usually the most difficult step. The getting organized is kind of like the big push. And then once you have that organization and you know, okay, I have this bucket and this bucket and they have different purposes and I know what's going on with them. And then if you do talk to someone, you you should be, whoever that may be, you should be checking in with them at least once a year just to make sure that everything's on track. And between those two things, unless they reach out to you, you should not have to worry about anything unless your income is changing, unless anything is changing. But if you're just cruising, if you're growing, if you're doing everything right, you shouldn't have to think about your finances if they're well set up. So, so true. So I know a lot of people are going to be wondering, where can we find you and how could they book a financial planning session with you? Yeah, so I want to give my phone number because it's the easiest way to get in touch with me. (laughs) Emails rack up so quickly. It's ridiculous. Um, And I always reply to like voicemails as soon as I get out of meetings. So if you want to give them my phone number, that's probably the easiest way. Um, Or if they reach out to you, you can always introduce us via email. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. It was so good having you on the show. I I just feel like it was a pleasure. Yeah, there's going to be so much great information that our audience could take away from it. And so just happy to have you. If you're not already, be sure to follow us over on Instagram at Currently Bossing and The Boss Up Inc. If you love our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Your rating helps us to reach other bosses like you who are ready to level up and reach their truest potential. Tune in every Monday for our newest podcast episodes. We'll talk to you then. Bye.